0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Android Central podcast. It is Friday, March 23rd, 2018, and I'm so excited to have well, I'm excited. I'm always excited to have Andrew
1: Martinick. Hello. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I don't know about I mean, that didn't sound too excited, but I'll take it for it. I'm not no
0: because you're not the person I'm that excited about. I'm always excited fair. about you. Very I'm like fair.
1: I'm like like lukewarm you're
0: just like you're you're st- you're steady and stable, Andrew. You're you're my go-to. I, I feel I, like I appreciate I'm, you. Yeah,
1: I'm probably on this podcast more than more than anybody. More than me,
0: even because you take over my duties when I'm not here. Correct. Um, but I'm super excited to welcome back Jerry Hildenbrand, who hasn't been on the podcast for a few weeks. How ah, are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm so happy to have you back because there have been so many takes that have been lukewarm in your ah. absence. Y'all and, can't quit uh, I'm me. I'm excited for the hotness. How are you doing? What's what's going on? Are you are you? Do you have power? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we there, do now. Is it there was, power?
2: Yeah how are you How a, are you reaching a, us? <laughs> a hateful mess. We, oh. we we literally got about two feet of wet heavy snow that turned into ice the minute the sun came out. People may have heard and,
1: that there's been some weather on the east coast for the last yeah, uh, three
2: months. It was. It's just. Oh, I'm ready to move back to Florida. I never want to step outside here again. It's the weather worst thing in I've the ever- United
0: States. The podcast that you <laughs> didn't know you needed, and you still don't. Um, I'm I'm happy to talk about weather because uh, it's not like we have anything else to talk about on this particular show. Um, but I will remind you all that I live in Canada, so any weather conversations um, we have, I will automatically beat you. I will, I will outdo you with my extreme weather here, so it's not even a contest. So we'll just move on. We'll just talk about <laughs> how it's been sunny and warm and beautiful up here for the last week and a half, and that's all there is to it. Um, so today we're going to talk about, we have a long, long set of show notes here. Yeah, that started um, to fill
1: up real quick.
0: And and that's, uh, that's, that's because we have a lot of Galaxy-related stuff to talk about still. Jerry, we haven't even heard Jerry's take on the S9 and S9+, plus, um, which I would love to get to in a sec. We have a ah. camera comparison that Andrew did earlier in the week that I'm excited to talk about between the Galaxy S9 and the Pixel 2. Lots of really, I, I think, very interesting takes there. Surprises as well. And, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the next wave of phones that are coming out in the year, and they're not what you expect. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Facebook, because that's been in the news recently. I don't, I don't know if you've heard, <laughs> um, but there's a company called Facebook that really uh, well, lets some people Facebook. down. Facebook,
1: you're really throwing me off here.
0: Uh, Well, Elon Musk actually responded to a tweet um, saying, what's Facebook? And then, (laughs) uh, because he and Zuckerberg have a long-standing feud, and then proceeded to delete all of his company's pages off of
1: Facebook in real time. It was
0: amazing and stupid. The the
1: best part about that is that apparently Elon Musk is just... The, his own admin of these facebook pages of course it really he is it really felt like it was just him <laughs> deleting it which is fantastic it
2: will be funny
1: because the
0: the guy does i think more as like a he does more hands-on stuff at least the perception is that he does more hands-on stuff as a ceo than most other people um, i know whether or not that's true it may just be good marketing for the company but Nevertheless, we'll talk a little bit about Facebook. And then if, if we have time, if we haven't reached that 90-minute mark, I would love to get Jerry's take on the Cloud Act. This is a an, ah. a, a small part of an enormous 2,300-page omnibus bill that was passed last night in Congress. Uh, and the Cloud Act does some unfortunate things for the data that Americans hold outside of the United States. And uh, I would love to get your your uh your su- summary on that if we if we have time okay. otherwise we'll we'll hold it for next yeah, week but i spent most of the day yesterday reading that damn thing so let's talk a little bit about galaxy s9 but before that we'll, we'll talk about the s8 and the Note 8 so the updates andrew came out the oreo updates came out for the s8 and s8 plus this past week everybody theoretically <laughs> well we got a ton of A ton of tweets, a ton of uh, emails from people really excited about this. It's, you know, it's the best time of the year for these uh, Galaxy owners. And as expected, there wasn't much to be excited about this time around. Unlike the NuGet update, which almost revamped the entire interface. It gave us a lot of new features. The Oreo update was much like the Oreo update itself from Google. It was iterative. But what are the highlights of... uh, this update that hit the S8 this week? Uh,
1: I think that the, I mean, the only things you're really going to notice are some launcher changes, notification shade changes, uh, things like that, because you're going to get your um, notification badges on the, well, assuming you're using the Samsung launcher. Chances are, if you've been using a Samsung phone for a year, you probably switched away, but you might want to give it a, give it a chance again. I've actually been enjoying the the latest Samsung launcher. It's, it's not that bad. Uh, man, that is just faint praise all over the place. I love it. Um, those are the, really the biggest visual changes plus the, um, no, that's actually, that's actually really it, right? Uh, the camera interface is not the same as the galaxy S nine, right? Which is really Uh, weird.
0: No, I mean, it's, it's not because the S nine has like three more features. It has the auto, the super slow-mo. Right, but it didn't
1: bring, like, the tabbed interface over. Let me double check. Yeah, I don't believe it did. Because I was thinking that was the only other real big interface change. Because I'm also just thinking about the Galaxy S9. The only things that really changed were the launcher notifications and, seti- uh, and settings, which that's just mm-hmm. kind of a coat of paint more than anything. Um, and then the camera interface. But the camera interface on the Galaxy S8 updated is not the same.
0: No, so the you don't difference get that is that
1: swiping tabbed interface. Uh, no. On the Note for the and, new one and the S eight,
0: you swipe and you get like you get this Filters window of thing. of all of your of your features. Anyway, this isn't great radio, but no, what we not. can what we can say is that it's better on the S nine. It's unfortunate it didn't come to the S eight, but there are there's enough that the S eight now on Oreo does. To imitate the S nine, that makes me, I think, more comfortable recommending the S eight, and that's something that Jerry wrote this week as, as well about, you know, why you know why the S eight is actually a really good buy now that it has the it has Oreo. Um, it's what four hundred bucks. You can find it on yeah. Swappa.
1: Yeah,
2: and that that's for one that's like new. And some of the pictures I looked at, they certainly look like new. So the yeah, so thing, I, so the is that the software
1: didn't add. Um, didn't add the intelligent scan thing, so you have to choose between face unlock or iris unlock. It won't do the combination. It doesn't have the new camera interface, and obviously the you know the photo quality itself didn't just magically get better. Mm-hmm. Um, pre- so pretty sure you're okay missing out on those things. Uh if if you're someone that was considering saving. Or you know, needing to save three to four hundred dollars, um, you're probably going to be okay with that S8, right?
0: We've had some discussions internally about this. There are times where I'm not even that impressed with the camera on the S9 enough to recommend it over the S8. Like savage, it's 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 not even. It's not saying that the camera is bad because it's not. And in low light, it's it's an enormous improvement over the S8, but the average daylight slash indoor photo you'll take on the S9 will be around the same. It'll have the same quirks, same color, you know, color levels and general qualities as the photo taken on the S8. Remember, the S7 um, kind of had exaggerated colors. It was a little bit less natural whereas Samsung changed its profile on the S8 and made photos much more natural. So a lot of the photos that you take on that phone and on the S9 require post-processing. It requires you to go into the editing suite on Samsung's own gallery app or Google Photos or Snapseed or whatever you use and to give it some more color, to give it some punch, And once you do that, the photos are fantastic. I actually think, in many cases, it rivals the Pixel 2. But the photos taken out of the sensor don't look as good. And I think that, you know, if you're not going to spend so much time in post, you might as well just get the S8.
1: Well, I guess an interesting way to look at that also is you might as well consider getting an original Pixel as well.
2: Well, I mean, oh. if you, if
1: you're going to go through that same thought process,
0: well, th- this will this will bring we'll bring that up later. Actually, put a put a um, whatever uh, put a blind pin in that. stop in that <laughs> uh, conversation because I want to bring up a a topic later in the show about brand loyalty, um, and uh, and we'll talk we'll use that as an example. But okay, so the Oreo update is so far i think quite stable mm-hmm. there were some issues with the nougat update when it hit the s7 last year and a lot of people were complaining about it um, when it first came out i don't think i've heard that clamor have you
1: no uh, the only I, I haven't really heard many specific complaints other than you know, there's always going to be some people that say, "Oh well, the update won't install because I don't have enough free space," or you know kind of the standard update things. I haven't heard anything specific about you know, this thing is broken, or this thing made you know my phone slow or my battery die or anything like that," which is good because you know we went through this kind of delayed release after um apparently there were some show stopping bugs in the in the first <laughs> attempted Oreo release. Which very few people received as far as I know, right? It was limited to
0: yeah. parts of Eastern Europe, and they pulled it almost immediately, yeah. right, Jerry?
2: Yeah, it, it, I, would, I would be willing to bet that most people that have it picked it up from XDA, and they're that type of people who are more than happy to deal with the bugs. But it, it was only online for like hours, and then it was gone. So as an
0: aside I learned this week
2: that if you bought
0: a phone that has um a number of region specific features built into it uh you can actually reset your phone and give it a new it's called a CSC you can give your phone a new CSC just by entering a code a USSD code into the phone app uh in Canada for example when you buy a phone from Samsung, you get it unlocked. So if I buy it from a carrier, it comes unlocked, and I can actually just put any carrier SIM, any SIM I want into it. But the, the first SIM that I insert, it loads all of those that carrier's specific settings, even though the phone remains unlocked. And what that means is if you change carriers, you're not going to get a lot of those um like optimizations, the network optimizations, the uh voice over LTE, voice over Wi-Fi, the visual voicemail settings, things like that. And I I didn't know this until recently, but you could actually change it if the phone has all of those region settings built in. Hmm. I love that. I was able to move from my Rogers S8 to a TELUS S eight, and now I I'm super excited to use it again.
2: Didn't Blackberry 10 do that as well? probably. I'm um, pretty sure. I know we've seen that from somebody either Nokia or BlackBerry and it is it's a it's a great idea. Mhm. I mean it just
0: simplifies everything. The the funny part about it though is and I bring this up because we're hearing a few issues with the S9 touchscreen and that kind of brought to mind the customer service experience at Samsung and the company's increasingly um Opening retail stores in many cities ac- around the world and in the US. And my interpretation is that Samsung's kind of retail support isn't quite as good as, say, Apple's. And when I wanted to switch the CSC on my Rogers S8 to Telus, I actually called Samsung support and they told me that it was impossible. Of course. <laughs> And I found that to be funny. So I was under the impression until a few days ago that it wasn't going to work. And lo and behold, it's possible. So I don't know. I mean, that's just a kind of a a weird aside. I I don't know. Have you guys had to deal with Samsung support at all, like from a retail
1: perspective? I thankfully have not.
2: I, I did once for, but ages ago for a tablet. And I had a great experience. But at the same time, you know, everybody else had a poor experience. So it's just wildly across the board like every other company. For sure, yeah.
0: All right, well, the other news this week, and Alex had a great video on it, is that the Note 8 is finally getting Oreo in some parts of the world. Andrew, once again, this is a very iterative update, nothing Mm -hmm. huge in terms of features, but the Note 8 is getting Oreo after the S8, even though it came out well after, it should have been yeah. prioritized, I think. And given that there are no major S Pen features, it's a little odd that it's coming so far
1: after the S8. The, yeah, the weird thing is exactly that. If if you're not going to ship a bunch of specific S Pen features, then why is it coming out so much later? Especially considering that it completely shares a platform with the Galaxy S8+. Plus. But on the other hand, you can see that it, it, if you're going to pick to put one first, it's going to be the phone that sold dramatically more uh, phones, you know, the S8 and S8 Plus. Um, it's still, the. It, it is very odd that it wasn't just done concurrently considering how um, identical they are. I mean, even even S Pen specific features that were in there from from the launch with nougat they they are few and far between compared to i mean a lot of that stuff has started to come over to the galaxy s line it really isn't that much that's different i i would love to know why it was delayed other than like i said if there was a limited amount of time you'd go with the one that that has sold you know several times more
0: yeah and that's a really good point the other other thing to consider is that the s that the note eight launched with Android seven point one. So maybe internally there wasn't as uh as as urgent a need to update to eight. Um I don't know. That's I mean that's right. I that, that forget
1: that be... the, the S8 series was on 7.0.
0: Yeah, and and I know that there were issues with the with the 7.0, which is, you know, and, and Google fixed those in 7.1. I can't say that the that the note eight was any more or less stable. Than the S8, I, I found they were both quite good. So, yeah. Jerry, I mean, internally, what were the major differences between 7 and 7.1? Can't remember much.
2: No, I, I know there was a, 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 a long list of Pixel-specific fixes, but that really mm-hmm. has nothing to do with Android as a whole. I know Bluetooth was one of them. App they, shortcuts, that was in-
0: integrated. Right, and... Uh, uh, at better emoji. Oh, see, um, you're
2: cheating and looking at the sheet.
0: Well, I had, I had a, I didn't, I felt bad about putting you on the spot there. They're not a whole lot. So, a few more APIs for carriers and calling apps, better VR, storage manager intent, nothing, nothing huge. So, I don't think it's particularly important. Um, Andrew, 8.0, however, brings a completely revised set of emoji. To the oh, galaxy. That's
1: exact when you yeah, when you said emoji in Nougat, I was like, oh man, the sa- that's the biggest feature right there. Uh, it's I'll kind of the biggest feature. today. The terrible, terrible, horrible uh shoot 'em and bury 'em emoji from Samsung are gone. And you have they stuff were, that actually looks normal. It looks like roughly everybody else.
2: I, I almost they were wish so bad. Like, I wish that they would have put that off a year. Because I want to see the new guy in a wheelchair emoji on Samsung's old ugly mess.
1: <laughs> it probably had I mean, square wheels or something. Like yeah, seriously. That,
0: like they, that's they how different they were. They would have just put somebody in crutches. Like they would have <laughs> had a completely different um, means of of getting around. I found like the fact that they they put a cracker in place of a cookie yeah. to me is possibly the funniest emoji. Like. Mistake I've ever seen, um, and the uh, the new ones are are quite.
1: I wouldn't say they're straightforward. Like they're still kind of Samsung quirky. They're still got a little bit of a three like three D and shadowing and stuff like that. They're not really the perfectly. They're not like perfectly flat or anything. But man, they're actually. You look at them and you can understand what they are, which is fantastic.
2: <laughs> you have to remember that Samsung didn't design those emojis for us. Samsung is very Korea first, and they should be. And when they design something new, they design it so the people in Seoul that all have a Samsung phone will love it. And then they work on what may work better for the rest of the world. And they've always been that way.
1: It kind of just points out the biggest issue with emoji is that it's completely up to the, the OS... Uh, yeah. Customizer or manufacturer to choose. I mean, the wi- uh, Windows 10 emoji set looks horrendous. Oh my too. god, they're horrible! And when you have situations where someone sends you an emoji and it looks completely different on their phone and your phone, uh, it doesn't matter if you're talking Samsung to Apple, Apple to Windows, or you have something like Twitter that just cho- you know chooses one no matter what OS you're on. <laughs> that kind of uh, stuff.
2: I, I don't understand why we haven't moved past. And emojis are just an app now it the way it works it's just your phone calls a number and it prints a character just like any key on your keyboard except this character happens to be a little smiley face picture instead of an r or an l we have keyboard apps why don't we just have emoji apps and you can pick whatever emojis you want
1: i agree i i think that the problem is that it's being um it's being set more like a font where what you know There are all those people, you see those screenshots of people using that crazy script font on uh, Samsung phones, and you just want to reach through the phone and slap them. Like, that's their choice. You can use that crazy font. And when you type, it comes out in Roboto on on mine. So, remind me, um, Jerry, didn't didn't Oreo
0: come with Emoji Compat, which allows you to essentially replace the emoji on your phone? Yes, we're getting there anything you want
2: we're we're getting to the stage where it's just an app but it's i i it confuses me the the way google is doing it but a lot of things google does confuses me but we are getting there where it will be like a keyboard and maybe if it doesn't go that far it will definitely be more of a system app that yeah. you can like like your camera where as long as you have a phone that's legitimately registered to be able to use Google Play, you'll be able to download it and install it.
1: I mean, I would love to be able to select which type of emoji I see right next to the font or my default languages in in the, the, phone, uh, the language and input settings, just like something like uh, Slack has. Where you can say use my OS's emoji, use the Twitter version of emoji, or use the uh, Apple version, or wh- whatever they have. You know, they give you a few options. I would rather have something like that. Sure, you can have Samsung, you know, choose to do their default one, but just like a font, let me just go change that. So I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna flip that because I think it's less important. Um, I think. It's less important to specify the emoji that I see than for me to aspec- to specify the emoji that somebody else sees. So, for example, if I'm putting together a tweet. That's a much harder problem to fix. It is a much harder problem. But if I'm putting together a tweet and I use a specific emoji, it's the emoji that I'm putting Like that an Oreo I cookie want people to see. That turns and into a cracker. <laughs> yeah. If I if, if somebody's on Nougat, you know, on a Samsung phone running Nougat, that emoji loses its effect or worse if they're running windows which millions and millions of people do they're going to see the worst possible version of that emoji and my message is getting maybe not lost and this may sound trivial to a lot of people but for like i i think that we in our culture now we don't even think about it i use emoji as a way to complement what I'm writing. And it's a natural part of my discourse with people online. And if you can't set the emoji that people are seeing, it's not a trivial matter. It does actually change the way that your your words are perceived. Well, the real...
1: So- that that's an important thing you say though is you, the way your words are perceived. The way to fix this is to use your words and not <laughs> use emoji as a crutch. No, I mean no. crazy thing crutch. because crazy it's, thing because we both uh, are professional writers at the core of it uh, that we would use our words. But that that's really what it does come down to because this is this problem is not getting fixed. Listen that, to that's me, not okay? Hang happen. on a second. You and I
0: both enjoy a good burger right? I, you know, I think that burgers are delicious. I'm yes. sure you do as well. Absolutely. And you tend to put condiments on your burger, right? So a burger tends to have a patty in between two pieces of, 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 you know, hamburger bun and you could eat it on its own. Those are the words, but I prefer to put a little bit of ketchup and maybe some relish and God help you if you put mustard on that. And, and that's the kind of thing I think that emoji, it doesn't, necessarily change what I'm trying to say, but it complements what I'm trying to say. And just as Relish complements a burger, I don't think there's anything wrong with me needing to specify what somebody else sees when I'm trying to say something.
1: Yeah, I think the, the bigger hurdle is just the technical one, that that's just, you're basically coming down to sending... Little images, rather than having it work as a uh, portable font, basically.
0: Hundred percent, and yeah, I, I, I understand how trivial that is, and how you know, in the long run, it's probably not worth the effort. But if I were to to decide between the two of those, between being able to specify the emoji that I see and to specify my emoji that somebody
2: else sees, I'd rather have the latter. Yes. Jerry, you were about to say something. So, uh, originally it was just Unicode, and it looked the same everywhere, and that's what you want to go back to, right? No,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, those are A super black boring. and white. Yeah,
2: no, no, but, uh, that's not what I want at all. And, and don't think that this isn't that that this isn't important. You know, we we laugh at it, but there's an entire group of people who work full time on nothing but the Unicode standards for emojis.
0: And one of my yeah. favorite websites is Emojipedia because it's a really good resource
1: for everything to do with emoji. Um, I, I think that the, the counter side of that cultural movement to emoji is um, just being like an old man and using voice dictation on your Google keyboard and just <laughs> Shut typing up. out Shut up. full, perfect. I mean, no, this is what I do every single morning. Okay, I I wake up. I have lots of messages to respond to. Uh, My girlfriend has already left for work. I'm sitting there alone. I am laying in bed and I respond to every single message by just, you know, I'm laying on my side and I just hit the microphone and I respond. And everybody can get solid full sentences, multi-sentence replies, multiple sentence emails. I don't have to sit there and poke anything out. I don't have to use emoji, anything like that. I am all for this. And, you know, you use your words. A voice dictation is really, really good. You know, why? I understand that there are situations in which that doesn't work and you want short messages. That's why we use acronyms and slang and all that kind of stuff. But sometimes, like, you have to have a different tool for each kind of job. I think, I I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I don't think you can.
0: I don't think you need to, you know, write good and... And not use emoji. I think that they complement each other. They're, you know, they're the relish and the mustard and the, and, and the uh, ketchup and the cheese and the barbecue on the sauce. Yeah, I'm really not a and, fan of relish on burgers. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> and the, um, I don't know what else you put on burgers. Uh, the avocado. Do you put avocado mm-hmm. on a burger? I
2: like avocado. Yeah, I like what? avocado on a burger. I just like more burger. Ah,
0: now you're talking that is a way to go yeah uh what emoji is just two burgers that's just the crying tears of joy (laughs) emoji all right let's move on let's talk about the galaxy s9 versus the pixel 2 camera comparison that andrew Mm -hmm. put together this week give us the high level on this because there's a lot to unpack different you know different times of day different lighting conditions um what was your major takeaway from this camera comparison, Andrew?
1: So Yeah, I think you mentioned this uh, earlier, but you you were surprised by some of the conclusions, and like I was surprised with the conclusions as I was going through this because when I reviewed the Galaxy S nine Plus and of course the the Pixel two XL before that, you know, I don't do the comparison stuff during the review. My my review is using the thing as the thing, see how I feel about it, and especially when it comes to photography because it is such a opinionated feeling kind of situation. When I reviewed the Galaxy S9+, Plus, super happy with the camera, but then you get these side-by-side comparisons and it really comes down to three areas for me. In daylight, the Pixel 2 XL is just a better overall camera and you kind of talked about how Samsung's improvements in daylight just haven't really uh dramatically improved even when you come from the S7. Um because, you know, they were already doing uh using a really good sensor and an F17 lens. Like that that's they were already pretty far there. Um in low light things are really switched. You can tell that Samsung put a huge amount of time and effort into making the sensor and lens super well suited for low light processing. And then you have this situation where Samsung's zooming is way better if you have S9 Plus, of course, because it can use that secondary um, lens in good lighting, of course, whereas the the Pixel, it can do kind of like a 2x zoom and, and not that, you know, not that much further. Portrait mode is kind of the other small part of that when you talk about two lenses. The Pixel's portrait mode is just like dramatically better, which is hilarious because Samsung has two different cameras at work to do... It's live focus portrait mode, and doesn't even offer it on the smaller Galaxy S nine. Yet it just gets beat because this is an area where no matter how many cameras you have, it still requires processing to understand foreground and background. And the Pixel is just dramatically better there. Um, that's that's the that's the overall thing. I'm sure you have some specific questions, but that that's kind of the overall feeling. Well, I, I find the portrait mode. Conclusion, interesting, given that the, f- the
0: camera you were using, uh, the t- cameras you were using, only one of them has two sensors to detect depth. Yeah. And yet Google seems to have a far better method of differentiating between foreground and background.
1: I Yeah, I don't understand how it can be
2: this different, but it is. You, you, you don't need multiple sensors to collect depth. Everything, no, you don't, but it's easier. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I'm not going to say that it's easier. It's still difficult. Samsung did a heck of a job because that's hard to do. You know, Apple too, it, it, it's very difficult. But I think the smart money would be to just use one generic lens that's pretty much the same as Google's using and try to emulate what they're doing and let them do all the hard work. But companies well, really, just aren't
1: aren't doing it. Really, the end result here, and what I, what I said in this comparison is the best portrait mode is using the Galaxy S9 with auto mode in its F15 lens. Uh, that, that, is your, makes <laughs> sense. that is your best portrait mode. And this is what I said back in my review as well. Alex and I, when we were shooting the review, we, we looked at a lot of stuff, and the best for most situations the best way you can go is to just put it in f1.5 and take a photo because at f1.5 if you use tap to focus and you lock that that focal point exactly where you want it to be it's going to blur the background naturally and it's going to look really really good and you're not going to have all these stupid artifacts and you know aberrations right. and weird stuff with people's glasses and hair and all that you know all well, that it, kind of stuff it, it that just doesn't have to work process. Exactly. It's 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 just taking the photo fundamentally better.
2: So that's always going to be better, but we've attached the portrait mode label onto something that really isn't anything real that we've never seen before.
1: Right. But the interesting thing there is I, especially because you mentioned the iPhone, which um, of course has the same situation where portrait mode is only available in the higher end models, the bigger phone and the iPhone 10. Um, it's the same kind of thing. When I was taking some of these portrait mode comparisons, um, my girlfriend said, "You know, I I really wish my iPhone eight um, had the portrait mode." And I was like, "Well, wait until you see what you know what some of these issues are with portrait mode. You would maybe not think that um, it's way more important to ha- have good com- uh, good composition and good lighting than it is to try to force it with these um, over the top modes." And, you know, that that just comes out in every single comparison I do.
2: You know, I, I think sometimes we tend to get a little too technical and too nitpicky. If somebody has an iPhone or a Galaxy S8 Plus or Galaxy S9 or a Pixel, whatever, and they want to take a, a portrait photo, they're okay if a couple of them mess up. They'll just take another one. Yeah. If, if yeah. they get that one that looks really cool, they're happy. Mm-hmm. Uh I understand like
1: it it can give you good results and I took some fantastic ones with my Note 8 when I did the Note 8 review as well because that was kind of the debut of that but it was it, it it always came with this caveat that I have to explain that yeah in order to take those few good photos I spent 30 seconds or a minute on every single yeah. one trying to take 10 different photos and, you know, double checking that it didn't have some weird issues or, you know, whatever. It, it's just another tool another tool to use. Um, what did you guys think? I, I know that, Daniel, you've been using the Galaxy S9 Plus, so you have the, the uh, two cameras as well and all this kind of thing. What did you think about these compar- this comparison when I talk about the daylight photos? Does that come across to what your feelings are?
0: Yeah, I'm so I'm finding that the Pixel does a better job with shadows, it Mm -hmm. does a better job figuring out how to expose the photo in general. Yeah, um, the S9 and just the dynamic
1: range is just fantastic on the Pixel.
0: Obviously, well, I mean, HDR Plus is a miracle for a reason, but it's it's more than that. I think either the S9 is failing in a lot of situations to expose a, a shot correctly, or which could be more likely, is I've just been spoiled by the Pixel 2, and now I scrutinize everything compared to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, as I said earlier, if you take some time and you mess around with uh, editing every S9 photo you take, daylight or not, you'll be happy with the results, right? They're clean photos. Um, Samsung's kind of figured out how to prevent the kind of over sharpening that it used to implement. Yep. It's done a great job making sure that the uh certain parts of the scene aren't overexposed. Although there are because the HDR is not as good as the Pixel 2, there are moments where in a photo of a you know with with a of a, a very um well a high dynamic range, there's there will be areas of overexposure because it does not want to suppress the blacks. Whereas the pixel, what it will do is it will always expose the brighter scenes perfectly at the expense of the blacks. Yeah. So HDR plus, even though it usually does a good job keeping those dark areas slightly light where, so you could see it, it will always, it will always err on the side of making those, say a blue sky, not blow out so you can see yeah. the details in the sky. And I think for most internet shared photos, that's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, on the other hand though, if you're shooting raw, which Samsung allows you to do through the native app, you have a lot more control over you know, tweaking those highlights, bringing back a few of those overexposed areas. And if you do that and you do it properly, you end up with a better photo because the the darker parts of the photo are not as dark to begin with. Yeah. I think so they've the, retained more detail in the first place.
1: Yeah, I think that those are my, like my two biggest issues are, it just, the exposure is just not right. It, it's usually too high, but it's varied. You could take a few different photos of the same kind of scene and you'll get different exposures on the Galaxy S9. Whereas the the Pixel 2 is way more of a flat line. You just kind of know what you're going to get. And it's usually really good. And the weirdest thing about this overexposing situation is it it doesn't need to, to bump the exposure. It, it can get in a ton of light. And it has, I mean, even despite the higher exposure, everything is still very crisp and clean. So it, it's... It just—it's annoying that it takes a little bit more massaging because you know that it has all the tools, and that's uh, the other part of this that's really weird. And I'm—I know you, Daniel, and Alex, and I were talking about this a lot. In why why this camera ever shoots at f two four is kind of boggling my mind mm-hmm. because I look at all these daylight photos. And they're all at f2.4, but I could take the same photo at f1.5 and it's better. Right. right. Not and entirely understanding if they just don't have the, the algorithms uh, tweaked right to get the settings right when it shoots at f2.4. And it's, and sometimes even when you have weird lighting, it'll still switch to 2.4 and then it'll shoot at like ISO 400 or something, which is really weird. So there are cer- certain situations when you're shooting with
0: any camera where having a a narrower exposure or a narrow aperture is going to be advantageous. But that's on a f- camera with a much larger sensor, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about 1-inch sensors, yep. micro four thirds, you know, APS-C or full frame. The sensor in the Galaxy S9 is comparatively tiny. It's one over two point six inches, right? So it's not even. It's what? uh, Less than half the size of a one inch? Am I? How does how does that math work? I actually don't know how it works. It's much smaller than that. One over two thirds is one. No, one over two. One one over two point six. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's less than half. It's much less than half.
2: Yes, it's it's about it's about a quarter of the size. It's Guys, very, I'm very, right there with small. you.
0: I'm right there with you. It took me about four times as long. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's you know because ah, four nerd. times I can't help it. Quarter. Um, but I'm there with you. It's Friday afternoon. My math. But your uh, your point is that my, my point at is, a sensor size that
1: small. My point, it doesn't yeah. make so much of a difference.
0: So the way right. it works on something like the S8 or the S7, which I actually used as a comparison to the S9 recently, is if you have a wider aperture. You ramp up the shutter speed to compensate to get the right exposure. And Samsung's always been pretty good at that. In this situation, uh, it could have just done that. I mean, there are probably situations where even at F1.5, if you're like in a really bright situation, the camera can't get to a shutter speed that will prevent
1: clipping, but that's probably few and far between. Right. Because we, we, right now, we have a situation where, although uh, what does kind of lend a little bit to that theory is that even some of these really bright situations, even when it's shooting at f2.4, it's still too bright.
2: Uh, yeah, but, but we're, we're talking like photo and, or light and color information is, is on a, a perfect scale. It's not. Samsung has to make it work in a certain range really well. And that has nothing to do with what's outside of that range. It doesn't, you know, if it's getting just a little worse, a little worse, it doesn't just keep that slope. It will go from slightly worse, slightly worse. And then it gets out of range and who knows what it'll be. That's that. that it's very difficult. It's extremely difficult. Oh yeah. To tune, we do know that. To tune sensors that collect color. And it's something that I used to do, and I literally would spend the best part of a week tuning one camera by hand. And it's, I give every company, even you, you pick up the, the worst, cheapest, free LG phone you can find that has a camera on the back. It takes a picture and it looks halfway decent. I give them credit because it's extremely difficult.
1: So speaking of extremely difficult let's talk about the low light situation and i want to make sure that i'm not crazy by bouncing ideas here off of daniel you're supposed to tell me when i'm crazy is that (laughs) the galaxy s9 plus or the s9 for that matter because the second camera doesn't even come into play here the low light capabilities are a a considerable step beyond what the pixel 2 does uh Now this is where you tell me I'm crazy. Uh, No, No, I I mean, I I
0: guess, I guess so. Like looking at your comparison photos live, I'm not seeing a major improvement. I'm seeing slightly more detail in certain situations, text, for example, when uh, when you're taking Uh, a photo of
2: the wall. That's another thing too. We, if we want to compare the capabilities, we should do it on a phone screen because those pictures have been specially tuned for the screen on that phone.
0: Yeah, but also, I mean, we're not, we're not going to, not every photo that you share on a phone is only going to be seen on other phones. I know, I get it,
2: I get it, but if we want to nitpick, if we want to really, really nitpick, we should nitpick from, you know, a a phone. I, I'm right with you, I, I don't see the difference that Andrew sees, but I can't argue with him because he saw it on the phone and, my God, the hardware there, it has to be better.
1: I mean, I think that the biggest thing is, sure, when they're viewed at relatively small sizes uh, on a computer or a phone or whatever, you could say that either one looks, looks really good. Um, if you look at some of these photos slightly closer up, like you just zoom in a little, I'm not even talking about doing like 100% crop, you see that the, the Galaxy S9 has just completely flattened everything in a good way. There's no rough edges, there's no noise, there is nothing. Even in the darkest portions of, you know, like a a late night street scene that has lights and then shadows and darkness and all this kind of stuff, it does a much better job with all the fine lines and details than the Pixel does. The Pixel still has really good colors. The white balance is really good. It it takes a very pleasing photo still, but at night it's very clear that Samsung does not have the exposure problems it has during the day. and I disagree with you there. Oh, I I have absolutely zero (laughs) problems with the exposure on the GS9. So let's take
0: a look at the photo you're taking of the butcher's table building. Yes. Um, And you're looking out to the first floor where... I'm guessing there are a bunch of uh
1: desks and like fluorescent lighting, yeah. The
0: the fluorescent lighting there, desks and chairs and just a general office scene on the S9 photo. And again, this isn't great radio unless you're following along. So if you want to go <laughs> to uh Andrew's comparison, you can go there now. We'll give you a second, but it's pretty it, it's it's probably worth you doing this with us cuz it's interesting. So if you go to that photo and you look at that first floor, you can't see any detail at all on the S9+. plus. It basically just looks completely overexposed and bright. But if you go to the Pixel 2 photo, you can see the details inside that uh, fluorescent floor. You can see the detail in the desks. Um, and I've, I've noticed that in other photos as well, where the S9 tends to overexpose the brightest parts of a low light shot and doesn't manage to hit
1: that balance between darker areas and lighter areas. Um, I don't think that's an exposure problem as much as you can just say that the Pixel 2 is much better with its HDR processing to manage the brightest, brightest parts and the darkest, darkest parts. Sure, but because isn't that the whole point of a, of a low-light photo? I mean... I'm not. Yeah, seeing- <laughs> I mean, at the same time, I would just say, like, just look at the black side of that building and see that on the pixel, it's really blotchy and rough, and then on the Galaxy S nine, it's smooth and straight.
0: Yeah, but there are de- so I would say that you want those. So that that butcher's table wall, I want that to be blotchy and rough because that's the detail of the wall. Like if you're looking at the above the letters, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of lines um, that I'm assuming are really there. They're not just they're not just aberrations from the photo. You can see those lines on the wall on the Pixel Two far better than you can on the Galaxy S nine, where the smoothing has kind of taken away all of the fine details. So right.
2: perhaps your, the your trade-off I see what you mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, your your trade-off is it, it's really tough to say there's there's texture, like the, the pixel photo has texture, but not really fine detail. Well,
2: Samsung's if taking that's
1: a good way to put it.
2: You you can see they're taking one last swipe and adjusting the luminance to to do exactly what Andrew was saying, to make everything flat. And not quite sharp in focus, but have a pleasing outline. And I don't know. I think that's smart because most of the time that'll make a picture look better. But Daniel has a really good point because I'm sitting here looking at it. Yeah. The detail has been stripped away. So you, you
1: won't see it like in an attempt to not over smooth things, you get, like actual like chroma noise you get processed blotchiness in some places like that's part of the trade-off
0: sure um but on the other hand samsung so i remember when we were in new york for the s8 launch and we did some of these same comparisons even in the day where we would take the s7 and we would take the s8 and we do a we take a photo of a billboard from about 100 feet away and I'd bring it back to my computer and I'd blow it up to 100%. The photo the S7 was had far more fine detail than the S8. It uh, Samsung made a cons- made a decision with the S8 and it's continued to the S9 to smooth away all the finer details in mm-hmm. a in a photo. Um, in order to preserve the overall aesthetic of the color to ensure that it doesn't look overly sharpened, which has traditionally been a problem on mobile phones. And it's it's a decision that Samsung is making at the ISP. It's deciding how to process this photo. Um, my concern is that you're losing those details indefinitely right unless you're shooting in raw the jpeg isn't preserving any of those details mm-hmm. whereas with the pixel you can have those details to smooth away if you want to later sure but i will unless you're shooting raw on the s9 i never will i'll never retain those details and to me that's a problem yeah i would say that
1: well one people aren't doing that <laughs> people are taking the photo out of the phone and then sharing it I think that, I think that it is a, of course it's a calculated decision, but I think it's a very smart decision. People don't want to have a dark sky portion of a, a photo that's blotchy and noisy. And that's what you get when you're afraid to smooth that stuff out which has the benefit, of course, of giving you the texture down below in the scene still, but it's not like there are no downsides to leaving the noise in the photo the way that the Pixel does it.
0: You're absolutely right. And and if you if you want to go back to that photo, um, I'll show you an instance where the, the S9 is far outperforming the Pixel. So on the street, there are, divots and Mm -hmm. um you know breaks in the road if you look near the bottom left where the Mm -hmm. um the ambulance is going by or is that a is that a u.s postal bus that is an ambulance oh that's an ambulance so that detail right in front of the ambulance is there on the s9 and it's nowhere to be found on the pixel it's it's been completely uh it's basically it's too dark and it's too blurry
2: and splotchy to be seen. If, if you blow up the Pixel 2 version of that butcher's table building, the road scene almost looks like it's a tiny cam effect. What does that yeah. mean, tiny cam? Uh, the, where each individual piece, like in this case, it's a, a bus and some cars, they've been brought forward by blurring the background and leaving a, a tight edge around those objects. Yeah, you've seen those photos. It's just a weird name for them.
1: You you can tell because it's uh, because obviously it's a a longer exposure. All the all of the cars are moving and blurry, but then it's processed the road around them to not Mm. be blurry. So it looks like the cars have been kind of snipped out and placed.
2: You you can definitely define the edge. Whereas if you look at the cars parked, you don't have that problem. So I mean,
0: I would assume that the Shutter speed um, on the S nine is is lower than it is on the Pixel, right? Because it's yeah, less blurry. It has to be. So the reason it can do that is because it's an f one point five aperture lens, lets in more light. So you could probably get this to one over fifteen or one over twenty. My guess is that the Pixel is one over four or one over eight.
1: Right. So and and again, that's that's this calculated decision from samsung like you were saying they made this decision they want that they don't want as much chance for blur and so that's why they keep going for this faster and faster and faster aperture so that they can keep their shutter speeds down and of course i've taken a lot of you know kind of still life photos here except for the one with the moving cars and in those situations you don't notice the difference you can have your pixel do uh, you know, of one over uh, a one fourth second exposure and it's fine. But if you or the subject are moving, it shows how much slower it is. I,
2: I yeah. disagree. Look at the plant photo right underneath the butcher's building. Zoom in where the battery charger is and compare the level of detail the S9 gives you. And then look at the Pixel 2. Oh, yeah. And it's an I obvious mean- case where the S9 is just miles better.
1: Mhm. But the uh the the Daniel skepticism in me will say that you don't see the detail on on the leaves as much.
2: You don't. Uh, you don't. You don't. Yeah. Because Google is choosing where they want to work. They they Because
0: they, the, the the S9 photo is purposefully sharper, but there's right. also there's more uh it, it's it's a bit kind of grainier and a bit more lifeless in my opinion. I don't know i mean it's it, it could it's also just about personal preference i mean it, objectively the s9 photos are better i think there's no question of that there's more information to be gleaned from the photos um i mean the the plant one is indisputable the s9 is far better but i would say with the other low light photos it's you know it could go
2: either way depending on your personal preference well one last mm-hmm. question andrew while we're to hear peeping pixels. Above the butcher's uh, table building, the, yes. the bar, which color is correct? Right. So that's my that's
1: my final point on this, really, is the white balance is very different. So between these two in, in low light, the Galaxy S9 one there is accurate to the scene. That's what I it's, assumed. It's yeah. late at night, very warm colors. It's and it you looks know beautiful. it's beautiful, it's a great picture. Right, it's 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 dark. Um, it looks you know, way this better. Is, this is taken yeah. at like uh, you know whatever eleven o'clock at night, and so there's warm warm lights in the house, no natural light. That's what you get. You get the warmth, like you know, my cabinets are not that not that color. My cabinets are just a, a deep brown, mm-hmm. but and that wall is almost white, so you can you can see. But that's that's what it's like. The pixel makes the white balance and the colors look like it's daylight you know that's what it goes for and you get that in kind of bar scenes and stuff like that as well um you know depending on the situation if it's if it's late at night or whatever that's one difference where things flip-flop you know during the day the the colors and the white balance and everything seems better on the pixel but at night the pixel tries to make this like edited, ideal version of that photo. Mm-hmm. Like if any, if anybody else, I know you guys use Lightroom, but if anybody else listening uses Lightroom, if they were to open the Galaxy S9's photo in Lightroom and hit auto white balance, it would look like the Pixel photo because it would try to make it look like a neutral daylight white balance. My, uh, I mean, on the flip
0: and side that's of a big that, difference. Andrew, um, if you go into the Google Photos app on your Pixel 2, what would auto it, well, auto enhance do to that photo what does google right. think an improvement on this photo looks like is it is it warmer is it sharper right is it brighter artificially would it expose more of the grain in the photo because what i'm seeing here is this is the literal limit of the sensor right we're hitting that point yeah. on the f1.7 particularly lens particularly Um, right like you're you're getting to the point where it's too dark to glean any real detail here and the pixel 2 is doing as good as it can Mm -hmm. but it just isn't it's not possible given the two um you know f-stop difference of the of the lens to get to the point where the 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 s9 can um can can process these colors and this white balance better
2: let's talk about that for one second it's two complete f-stops what the pixel is doing is amazing it is yeah it's amazing that it's doing it with an algorithm uh the the samsung picture i assumed it was more real life andrew confirmed it and it looks more pleasing but what google has done is is literally amazing i i can't deny that even if the picture doesn't look as good okay so um, you know, m- less we we can't assume that
0: everybody's going to be looking at these with us. So, if you've been listening and frustrated that you don't know what <laughs> we're talking about, I do apologize. Go to the. I would really like. I, I think this is an example of an interactive podcast. Right. Stop the podcast, rewind it. Go to the website, open this on a big screen, and come back. And I I really do think that this will be an interesting, um, an interesting experiment in in how to you know how to evaluate phone photos. Um, you know we're not experts, but I think we've done this long enough where we know what we're looking at. So let us know what you think because I think it's it's extremely interesting. There's so much subjectivity to a lot of yeah. these, and then there's also just objective fact. The S nine is better in low light in some situations. Um, Andrew, one other thing before we move on: Google reportedly bought a company this week called Mm Lytro for about $40 million. And Lytro, if you recall, created a camera back in 2012 that does to what a lot of phones can do without any special hardware today, which is it uses a, a kind of a light field, a long lens to capture as much depth information of a scene as possible and allows you in post to go in and change the, um, the focus values. Now, this did not take off. The, fo- the company at one point was worth a reported $360 million, mm-hmm. raised $200 million, and it was sold for a reported 40 million in the high. Could have been as low as 25 million according to reports. Um, so what do you think Google wants from a company
1: like Lytro? I think the biggest thing that they want is the people that had the smarts and the audacity to make an entirely new type of camera and the um, apparently very, very useful and valuable patents that they came up with. When you think about the fact, uh, you know, as a product, Lytro just wasn't going to work. Just being, just the amount of physical space it required and the type of photos that you, that the, the file formats that you got out of it to be able to adjust the um, the focal points and all that kind of stuff. It it just wasn't going to build out to the point where it was going to be a, you know, a universally accepted standard. And that's kind of a shame because Lytro did a lot of cool stuff with that. But like you said, if you think about what Lytro did with the refocusing and the understanding that their technology had with, of course, the new type of lens and sensor to understand all of these different focal planes and be able to basically have an infinite number of adjustable focal points after capturing the photo, you could easily see Google integrate some of that into what is already an extremely powerful software suite that they
2: have right now with with the Pixel's cameras. Do you know what I think they want? Yeah, tell me. I think Google has either already developed Or is in the process of developing a way to emulate what Lytro is doing with a single lens on a smartphone using a smart algorithm. And they just want to make sure nobody sues them for patents, so they're buying them. Could be. I mean, $40 million is a drop in the bucket for a company like Google. And Uh, a lot
1: of – it's not keeping all of the the people at Lytro. Some people left, but
2: some people are coming. They'll get some people with great ideas for the next thing Google tries to do that shouldn't be able to be done from a single tiny lens. So the other thing that Lytro does um, Mm -hmm. is they build VR
0: technology for VR and AR. And that's actually what they've been doing over the last few years. That's why we haven't heard of them much in the mobile space. They kind of pivoted in 2014 or 2015 to focus on using that light field technology to make capturing VR and AR imagery uh, easier for filmmakers. And I also think I'm sure that Google wants that for whatever. Oh, the well, future I'm sure
2: AR core and daydream is going to look like. And I I've never seen it. I I'm, I don't take VR photos, but from what I understand and what I've read, light it was amazing what they were doing. Yeah. Expensive. Super, right. like, made for the industry. But, yeah,
0: very, very cool stuff. Um, okay. We're going to take a break, and we're going to thank our first sponsor. That sponsor, as always, is Thrifter. And as we do every week, Because Thrifter is the place where we get all of our great deals, we're going to go to thrifter.com. If you're still in front of your computer or on your phone and you want to follow along with us, go to Thrifter too. See what it's all about. And as we do every week, we're going to pick a deal from the list. And we'll start with Jerry, because I haven't asked
2: you in a while. Uh What's your pick for this week? Um, They've got a great mechanical keyboard there. Oh, das, I, knew you I knew you'd pick it. Da, DOS keyboard. I've got one here that's old and broken up, and it needs replaced. And I use brown switches, which are on that keyboard. They're kind of hard to get used to, but if, if you do get used to them, you love them and can't switch away. And rather than replace some switches, I'm seriously considering just buying another keyboard. 99 bucks sounds like a lot for one, but if you use a good mechanical keyboard a lot and get used to it, you realize that it's well worth the money. So mechanical keyboards are
0: a thing that you yeah. either like you you love them or you don't
2: like, there's not a whole lot of, oh, I'm ambivalent about that. Right. You either can't deal with the noise or you say, I don't care about the noise because it feels so good when I type. Totally. And, and we type a lot. I, I would recommend that both of you, if you haven't, Use a mechanical keyboard for three months. I wouldn't see. mind
0: because I use my MacBook's keyboard or the keyboard on whatever laptop I'm using. Yeah. I'm not, I don't care. I'm not a, I'm not a fan either way. I like the keyboard on my la- on my MacBook, but um, I, I don't think I would like the keyboard on the one that Andrew has though.
1: No, I'm busy murdering my fingers over here, typing on a <laughs> new MacBook Pro where, yeah, where I have you, the you type one. and the, the keys just don't move. So oh, that's annoying. It's kind yeah so this all all the key travel has left this laptop and it all went into that mechanical keyboard, like so it has extra travel.
2: This one with brown switches is the exact opposite. You have to focus and push to register a key and it pushes back. and you mm-hmm. learn to love it.
0: I like that. I, I've been watching Mad Men over the last few months catching up on it, and I love the sound that those typewriters make. By the late sixties, they were using automatic (laughs) typewriters, but it's just such a satisfying sound. And I'm, you know, I've been, I also, I spent three weeks or so using a uh, ThinkPad um, X1 Carbon from Lenovo and those puppies have amazing keyboards. I really enjoy the keyboard on that. So yeah, uh, definitely check that out. That's a hundred dollars by the way, Um, Not not bad, $30 off. Andrew, what's your pick?
1: uh three times the price of that keyboard is the bose quiet comfort 35 headphones the f- headphones that i wear uh oh man now i'm trying to i'm starting a to lot. quantify the number of hours that i've worn these uh, a lot uh for like a year and a half and they're amazing they're not just amazing for travel they're amazing just for all the time and uh getting 50 bucks off so they're 300 instead of 350 is perfect i i balked at the price when i first saw them i paid full 350 plus a crazy washington state sales tax i paid like 390 dollars for them it was worth every single penny and if these broke i would be buying another pair on amazon the minute that they broke i i have to i pretty much have to have these things now how is it holding up because you've been using them a while Good, Uh, surprisingly good. And I'm not, uh, I don't use the carrying case, which, you know, it has a hard-sided zip-top carrying case. Um, I just fold them up and toss them on my desk. I stick them in my um, top of my backpack. They get moved around just because the carrying case is just not that big. And I travel with them a lot. Obviously, it helps that they're just on my head most of the time, and I'm not banging my head on things. But uh, the most damage I have is that a little bit of the black paint has scraped off in a couple of the high places where, you know, if you put them on a table upside down, it's it's just where it contacts with the table. Everything else is perfect. So they're 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 built well. And they're they're pretty light though. I mean obviously that's always the headphone thing. Like they could be really light or they could be super durable and sound fantastic. These are more on the you're gonna wear them for 10 hours. You don't want them to be heavy side.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like those. I ended up getting the Sony um wh 1000 x2 um very similar but mm-hmm. uh, stay tuned next week actually i'm writing about both of them uh, okay so my pick is a really kind of it's an important investment if you work at a desk all day it's a dell ultra sharp 25 inch monitor it's down to 290 dollars direct from dell it's a quad hd display six second, um, six, sorry, six millisecond latency, and it has an HDMI port, display port, mini display, two USB 3.0 ports, no USB C unfortunately, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a really decent kind of mid-range widescreen monitor. And I've been using a larger ultra wide monitor for the last few months at my desk. And it has really changed the way that I work. I love that extra real estate, but I also just love the ability to scan over to something that I'm referencing. So I don't have to uh, cascade multiple screens on my small laptop screen. Uh, It works, you know, these monitors, Dell is well known for having reliable monitors that last forever. I know people that are still using Dell monitors 15 years later with their old VGA ports. Mm. And um, I rarely hear any complaints. I don't hear about dead pixels. I very rarely hear about ghosting. They're they're just decent products, and this one is down to $290. So check it out.
2: Especially if you use a Mac. Dell is well known to work great with I, I don't know if you've ever had to fool with trying to convert DVI, HDMI, or Thunderbolt. Macs are picky. Very, very picky. Dells are set up to work with them. Yeah. Yeah, I actually had an issue with this
0: ultra wide on my Mac, but it worked and I ended up having to get a mini display display port to mini display port cable because the screen is 4k and it wouldn't support uh, higher than 30 Hertz. Yep. Um, on thund- on HDMI. Right. So I had to get a mini display adapter and it works great. Love it. Dell.
2: But yeah. Check Dell it out. Dell make really great monitors. I,
0: they do. That's, that's um, a great price. If you want one in that size. So yeah, I mean check it out at thrifter.com. We thank them as always for their sponsorship and uh we'll have more great picks next week. All right, let's go to the next topic we're we're getting behind as I as I knew we would cuz I I knew that camera <laughs> comparison mm-hmm. talk would, would cost us. So, let's kind of combine a lot of what we're talking about into one. Every damn phone that's coming out at the, between now and probably the end of the year is going to have a notch. The OnePlus Six uh, is probably going to look like the Oppo R15 because the OnePlus Five looked like the Oppo R11. <laughs> um, yeah. Wonder that why was, the R15 was announced earlier this week, and it's not a high-end phone. It's not going to come to the US, but it certainly will have that design. So that's one. We have the LG G7 or whatever it's going to be called and that's probably going to have a notch, but it's going to have a way to get rid of it, Andrew. There's apparently a rumor going around that you'll be able to, like, use... You'll be able to just be able to, like, turn on the screen around it and just keep it black Mm. so that it won't have Um, a notch.
1: My very quick and easy take on this... um, there were prototype engineering versions of this phone. They're building the software for it. They expect the new hardware to have a notch. The current prototype hardware does not have a notch. They need a way to test it. If LG oh, ships a phone is. with a a notch just virtualized on the screen, uh, I you will never hear the end of it. I will be... Knocking down as many doors in South Korea as possible until I find who's <laughs> responsible for that.
2: I just, this whole, the essential phone and the iPhone X, they, they had to have a notch that or a big bezel that nobody wants. We've heard all the yeah, complaints. A real, a real
1: notch is fine. Like that's just but, how it is.
2: But yeah, I, I, I get the impression that, you know, and I hate to single anybody out. So I'll just pick Huawei. They, they made a phone with a notch. They didn't need a notch. They did it just so it could have a notch. And I hate that. I, my key one doesn't have a notch. And, and I put up with taking the headphone jack away, but I'm not buying a phone with a notch in it. I'll use this key one till it melts in my hands. So, <laughs> so
1: that's the other one that Jerry mentioned there is the, we expect the Huawei P20 to also have a notch.
0: Yes. So the P20 is certainly going to have a notch and three cameras, which is really interesting. Yeah, um, that is. I don't know. So the 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 rumor is that the main sensor will be, uh, forty megapixels, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That's insane. Um, there's going to be a, a twenty megapixel black and white sensor, and then there's going to be an eight megapixel telephoto sensor or lens.
2: It's got to it's, be something like Nokia did where you cut those 40 pixels yeah, down to be usable that looks beautiful.
1: Totally. I mean, that, you're not oh, at an output of 40 megapixels. That's crazy. That's but, the weird thing about this the lowest resolution sensor being the telephoto one because if you have for, a 40 megapixel sensor, if you have good uh sharpening mm-hmm. technology, you should be able to digitally zoom better than Using an eight megapixel with a telephoto lens. Mm-hmm. I, so, I'm, what I'm saying is it doesn't make sense, but well, I, we I, don't know.
2: I, I, I'm going to guess that the eight megapixel telephoto has an actual lens that's designed to focus past 30 meters.
1: Yeah, it's and and it as could opposed be, to it could be cropping. longer. It could be longer yeah. than a 2X as well. Yeah, so. could be. Maybe 3X. That
0: would be neat. But we'll find out. That's that's the cool thing about the phone. So yeah, that's the. I mean, we know that Huawei has been having some issues, but let's let's table that for a second. Let's go back to the One Plus Six. Um, other than the notch, we're expecting it to be available in eight it an eight gigabyte and two hundred fifty six gigabyte combination, which mm-hmm. is uh, you know same as this this. Uh, generation but with double the storage same amount of ram um nothing really interesting that we know of right now other than that design potentially wireless charging because it's going to have a glass back andrew what's your take on it
1: um it it seems like it i mean the the leaks that we've seen makes it seem like it might have a little bit more of uh, an opinionated design, a standout design that's a, a a little bit different. I like the idea of the glass back, just from a design standpoint. Especially if it adds wireless charging. If it has a glass back and no wireless charging, people are going to complain. uh I think probably rightfully so because that would be that's that's kind of you know stupid to do at any price. <laughs> um, the notch, you know, I don't really care. If it's going to have a notch, that's fine. We already, based on previous leaks, we think it's going to be a 19 by 9 tall display. So you're not actually going to be losing any usable screen real estate compared to a OnePlus 5T at 18 by 9 anyway. So that's fine, whatever. Um, The question that everybody has now is what's the pricing going to be? There was this leak that made it seem like it was going to be really expensive, like well over $700. But it mm. was never quoted that that was U.S. dollars. Uh, it could have been, you know, Canadian dollars, Australian dollars, something like that. That would make that seem like it was uh, much more inflate, or that would have inflated the the actual number. I think it's not the dollars. price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been seventy thousand dollars on the price list. Who knows? Um, so it, I don't expect the price. I mean, what do you guys expect the price to be? I don't expect it to be over. Uh, five fifty. Yeah, based. I think it's going to start at
0: five fifty, or even five thirty.
2: The two fifty six version is going to be expensive because that's that. That's going to be in the 600's storage for yeah, sure. Getting that storage is expensive because Samsung charges a lot of money for it, and they should. It's it's difficult to manufacture. But yeah, if anything, it's going to be twenty dollars higher than the five T. You know, it, and they can justify that because. The cost of components has risen a little bit. Anything higher than that, they'll have to justify to all their fans and they don't want to have to do that.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest thing there is, uh, is the secondary camera actually going to do anything that like you'll actually want because (laughs) the dual dual cameras previously have not been anywhere near the expectations. Uh, Will the camera experience in general kind of step up because if we're talking about a phone that's now five fifty, you're really starting to get up there, folks. Like that's yep. that's starting to get to the range where people will say, eh, you know, I'll spend a hundred dollars more and get something else that that we know has a. I mean, if you're one hundred dollars away from a Google Pixel two, that's you're getting into real dangerous territory. There, I know it's a smaller phone to go to the you know from a, the One Plus six to the Pixel two. But you're talking about a completely different level of software quality, camera, et cetera.
2: I remember one evening, you and I being outraged that I had to spend $690 to import a Galaxy Nexus from Basic Stokes, <laughs> England. And that price yep. was insane. And now we say that's mid-range. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about this
1: when the 5T came out. The 5 came out as well, but the especially the 5T like they could charge this price that's totally fine what's in there and what it offers is still a really good value the question is you know once you get to a certain price point in the mid 500s yeah. people start to expect a little bit beyond just this core solid experience which i'm sure will still be great if it's the f- if it's the same experience as the OnePlus 5T nobody should have any Complaints in terms of the performance and the capabilities. Uh, Once you get beyond that, you start expecting some, you know, some extras.
2: I just hope they do something special with all that memory. OnePlus is the company that would do it. I mean, we've seen the Galaxy Note comes with extra memory and, you know, that sort of thing. But there are some really cool things you can do with Android if you reserve some, some of the RAM for it. And with eight gigabytes in there... Come on, OnePlus! You've got the software, guys. I know where you—you you, know—I know where they used to work. Let's do something cool. So, going to the uh, G7, there
0: aren't any live leaks right now. Uh, we saw something from C from MWC, but it's not clear whether that was a prototype of the older version. Um, but Techno Buffalo worked with a designer to design a couple of renders of what the G seven or whatever it's gonna be called will look like. And it also has a notch plus a rear fingerprint sensor, plus a vertical dual camera setup. And the one thing that I'm finding curious that nobody's talking about is that there's a third button below the volume rocker um, on the left side of the phone. Sort of like where Bixby. the Bixby button is on the <laughs> S9. And I'm wondering if, if LG would, would be...
1: Uh, it I'm not really s- makes
0: you think you about it. I'm, I'm not going to say they would be stupid to do this because, well, that's obvious. It would be stupid. <laughs> but would they really think that this is a good idea after the backlash against the Bixby button? God, I hope not. Are 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 they so short sighted? I think that's the that's the word. Are they short sighted enough not to see just how poorly that would be received if there is now to double just to mention this is not a leak. This is a render based on rumors that we've heard, but it's possible that ThinkQ could be Mm. coming in physical form.
1: My my big my bigger question. I mean, so so long as they don't do a physical button to launch some weird interface. I mean, even if it's locked into launching Google Assistant, that's dumb. Yep. I I really hope that they don't even do that. What I'm more interested in seeing is can LG take a step forward with its software in terms mm-hmm. of the interface, features, everything to feel more cohesive and can they ship a display on this thing that is anywhere near the quality of what we see from every other manufacturer?
2: That's what LG has to do is say, look how good the screen is on this phone. And it has to live up to it because early adopters and nerds know that LG screen on the pixel two XL was a mess.
1: And on the V 30 and on the G six, it was
2: better on the V 30, at least the ones I've seen it was better than the pixel for yeah. sure. But you know,
1: most things are so
0: is so Jerry talk us through this rumor that instead of using an OLED display, the G seven will use something called
2: MLCD plus. What exactly is that? It's a different layer. Uh, LCD displays, they still are a dot matrix, you know, like uh, OLEDs use individual LEDs. Uh, LED, LCD displays use crystals to do the same thing. This has a different base layer behind it that affects the voltage and affects the output of, of each crystal. And it's weird because crystals, they're, they're not quite organic. They're, they're man-made, but they, they act organically. They react to, you know, being stimulated by this backplane. And this is just a new way to do that. And I've never seen or or know anybody that's ever seen anything like this in action. So it's all what we've read on the Internet so far. I'm I'm really curious because I just dig this kind of stuff. And I hope that LG can pull it off. I'm a fan of LCDs. I have to be honest. I I like an OLED display, but sometimes I want to read a book or something, and I want that sharp, crisp LCD, and I'd like to see another company bring them back.
1: Yeah, look at what... Uh, the HTC 11 screen is like. Yeah. That's a great, great screen. Yep. Um, and the, even the G6, I, I panned the G6 a bit, but the G6's real only problem was brightness. I mean, the, the panel itself was fine. Yeah, it yeah. Was I, great, I, the brightness I, was bad.
2: I thought it was a little muddy compared to some of the other screens the colors blended together too much, but Hmm. that could have been like, you know, HDR processing or something and not a a artifact of the display. But still I'm looking forward to the MLCD or MLCD plus and how it stacks up against OLED with its new, you know, with the, with the matrix in the, of, of the new way it's doing it. It's, it's exciting it differently. And I love different. And okay. So, we have uh, the G7
0: coming out around, we've heard, May. We have the uh, One 6 coming ar- out around June, as the 5 did last year and the 3 did before that. We have the P20 launching in Paris on March 27th. So only a few days from now, we'll have more details about that. Um, and the P20 is coming out at a time when uh, the company is doing fantastically everywhere in the world it's the number one the number three smartphone manufacturer behind samsung and apple it's selling well in europe it's selling well in 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 most of asia and china in particular and yet this week best buy said internally not they haven't confirmed this publicly yet that it would stop selling all huawei products including the mate 10 pro including the honor view 10 Including the Huawei Watch 2, including the new Huawei uh, MediaPad M5, the, the tablets <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Including the media, the the uh, what's that laptop that just came out? The MateBook X. MateBook X <laughs> with the little button that reveals a camera. I'm, I'm- it would sell everything. Sell. Sorry, it would stop selling everything. Um, it is the latest company to shun Huawei after pressure from the U.S. government and public implorations by uh, the leaders of the various intelligence agencies in the U.S. Uh, the, obviously, Best Buy is just one retailer. The Mate 10 Pro, the View 10, will still be sold in the U.S. through Amazon, Microsoft, Newegg, B&H. But Andrew, this is not good news for Huawei.
1: Best Buy was their biggest physical retailer. um, If not their only physical retailer. I know that you named the other ones, but I think those are all online sales. Well, as far as I know, they weren't stocking the Mate 10 Pro
0: in stores. Oh, really? Okay. Well, But the other products, I
2: I know you can see media pads in Best Buy.
1: Well, you could. In the laptops.
2: Yeah. And that's... But...
1: it's still a huge blow just because it doesn't seem like this is going to be the last retailer that we hear about dropping Huawei products under some kind of quasi pressure or worry that there's going to be an issue with those products. Um, Look from Best Buy's perspective, it makes a whole lot of sense. They don't want to mess around with that. They They don't want to be stuck holding the bag full of like this huge channel full of all these products when they're not when, if there happens to be like an outright ban on some of Huawei's products, they don't want to be left holding that.
2: I think a part of it too, is that they're just kowtowing to the lowest common denominator. And I don't want to to offend anybody, but you know, there's a, a group of people who I am Chinese. I hate them. I hate them. And, and they're very vocal and they've been exceptionally loud on our website and everywhere about Huawei's bad simply because the company's Chinese. And with that kind of pressure, you're going to find companies sometimes bend to it, and I hate to see it.
1: But look, if you're listen, if you're listening from Best Buy's perspective or looking at it from Best Buy's perspective, Best Buy is a company that operates in the U.S. Oh, sure, they they, they have vendors of all kinds. If they can be on the up and up with the country's government in which they operate, and not, um, and not sell one vendor's products, which, by the way, you know, I can't imagine that Huawei's sales were no. anywhere on Best Buy's spreadsheet sure. <laughs> of you know important sales. So it's just not a big loss for them, and it's a it's a big potential dodge in the future.
2: I thought you were going somewhere else with that and we're going to say that it's, you know, public relations, they want everybody to want to shop there. I think if this was more government pressure, uh why didn't they do it 6 weeks ago when AT&T and Verizon did it? Did the government, you know, did somebody from a, a government intelligence agency drop by Best Buy corporate offices and and pressure them individually? I don't think so. If If they're really doing it because they they think it's best for the country and our security and privacy, why'd you wait six weeks?
1: Yeah, I think it's more of just a, um, uh, you know, making sure that they're out ahead of. It it wasn't that big of an issue, and it will cost them money in the future if it does become an issue. And so they just do it.
2: It's obvious that there's a concerted effort to Get Huawei's business out of the U.S.
1: Yeah, I will, um, I will point people toward uh, Bloomberg had a fantastic, very long, but fantastic profile talking about why people in uh, uh, the U.S. government are, af- you know, quote unquote, afraid of Huawei ZTE um, hardware, con- you know, both consumer and enterprise. And they have some pretty, some pretty horrendous uh, quotes in there
2: there are some legitimate reasons from very respected people in the intelligence community that would not just fan fire to make it you know grow they is some of some of the quotes we've heard these gentlemen believe what they've said, and that is cause for concern, but most of that is regarding networking equipment that we don't have access to, and I mean we by the the amazingly smart general populace that's out there that can take any electronic and rip it down and reverse engineer it and see exactly how it works. We've done that with their phones. And there's nothing there. There's no way that a, a secret update could plant a backdoor. That's impossible. All this nonsense that we're hearing about that is, you know, all these mate pros are gonna make a botnet. No, that's not gonna happen. Stop. The networking equipment is a whole other ball game,
0: though. It is. And I just don't think the two can be separated in the eyes of the lawmakers. Probably not. So let's no. not, mm-hmm. you know, let's just err on the side of caution. The agreements that the carriers have with Nokia, with Ericsson, uh, with, you know, many other well-known uh, hardware companies, they don't need Huawei, right? No. Nope. But... Huawei is well, desperate to
2: break into the U.S. market in any way possible. They, they don't need Huawei now. but And Daniel, you would know more about this. It's my, you know, way, what I've heard is that when it comes to 5G, Huawei and ZTE, because they're close with the Chinese government, are going to be miles ahead of everybody else. I mean, that's why the U.S. government
0: scuppered the Broadcom-Qualcomm merger. Yep. Mm-hmm. For- Merger, the the hostile takeover. So I mean, we we could skep- speculate on this for a long time. The reality is that Huawei is not going to have an easy time. No, nope. in the U.S. market, and nope. even though it makes great products, I mean, of question with questionable software. But I mean, that's it's it's nothing. It has nothing to do with it. The the, the deal is that there are people in the world that are very loyal to Huawei. And this is a problem for the company because they will never have the brand recognition in the U.S. as they do outside yeah. of the U.S. And in order to succeed, you don't need the U.S., but you kind of, you, you know. It sure helps. It, it really helps. <laughs> um, and it also ensures that Apple and Samsung will continue to be a duopoly in the U.S. smartphone space, Right. Between the yep. two of those companies, they own what 90 percent of the of the market share. No, it can't be that high in the U.S. I'm the, surprised it's that low. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> the LG LG has uh, like eleven percent. The last time we checked, it. I think that there's an Good. IDC IDC publishes publishes a quarter quarterly um, market share report, and companies like lg motorola they still have decent share in the us but it's nowhere close to the other two good let's take a quick break and let's talk about GameStash. Game stash is the place to go for all of your android gaming needs you can play up to 300 games no wait times or in-app purchases if the game had those things before you get to skip the line no more waiting no more paying for loot crates or any other add-ons you just Play the full game. This service starts at 4 dollars per month. But right now, if you sign up, you get 30 days for free. That's 30 days. No paying for GameStash. You go to GameStash.com slash ACPod. That's GameStash.com slash ACPod. You can play some of the best Android games out there right now. Okay, so we have a few minutes left, and I don't want to spend an hour talking about this, but Jerry, (laughs) Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, this has been done to death. We don't have to go over exactly what happened. If you've been reading the news over the last week, you know what happened. How does this relate at all to Android? How does this play into um, what Facebook has been doing on Android for the last five years? seven years, nine years. What, what is significant about this as it relates to the way that the Facebook app collects data. <laughs> once you start using it,
2: Facebook has been a bad app since its inception for Android. We have read and, and seen, they use us as a B testing. They purposely downgrade features to see if we'll keep the app installed. Uh, they, Do secret updates, if you have a Samsung or an LG phone that has Facebook pre-installed, they don't need to use Google Play or get you to accept new permissions because they upgrade the app in the background. All that stuff is bad news. Today, we're seeing some other things about it's possible that under certain conditions, Facebook is also harvesting, harvesting your call logs uh advertisers that have your contact information they're they're invasive they've always been invasive uh, and and yes this all ties in with Cambridge Analytica not directly but because of Facebook's model where they can harvest enough data from Daniel to get information about Andrew who's also on Facebook and between the two of them, they can get information about me, who's not on Facebook. Yeah, I think that that's a,
1: a perfect example if we talk about the Android angle, is it was kind of this perfect storm a few years ago where Android permissions were bad, uh, badly laid out, so people didn't understand what apps on their phone in general were getting access to, and Facebook took huge advantage of that to just hoover up as much as possible. And then that combined with Facebook's um, overall strategy of being able to link things together and take as many data points from all over the place, whether it was your web usage or you know your laptop, your tablet, your phone, and all that kind of stuff.
2: And retain and aggregate that data purposely,
1: purposely to form a profile of you. And then at the same time, with all of that data that you feed in, it just made from a phone because a phone is such a great, mm-hmm. uh, it's a great spy device. It's a great uh, willing uh, bug that you place in your pocket everywhere you go and tell everything uh, that you may or may not aware uh, be aware that you gave access to all of this information. It was just a good for Facebook, confluence of situations. Now, thankfully, we have this this change now if the, the problem is it's so late in the game where there are billions and billions of people using Facebook that set up their account years ago and there are not a lot of brand new Facebook users in the grand scheme of things. If somebody were starting up a Facebook account today and using an Android phone with the Facebook app that they installed from Google Play, it would be quite a bit of a different situation. Now, it wouldn't be perfect, but it would be
2: quite a bit different. They still, they they, they abuse permissions. Uh, they have a legitimate need for one permission, so they get granted that permission, but they'll also do shady things that they can do with that permission. And they're not exactly hiding it. They're just depending on very few people Will bother to investigate what it's doing? Hey, it's Facebook. It's harmless, and for the longest time, it was harmless. And if these allegations are true, and let's 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 not go. We're not a judge. Uh, we 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 take what was said at face value because we're not part of the investigation. But apparently, they were able to target certain people and influence how they would vote and change the results of an election. And tried to do it in several other places besides the U.S. I don't
0: think there's any. I, I don't think we have to insert the word alleged theft or well, I, I, you know I, I breach. Love- like this, they Cambridge Analytica has been captured on camera admitting to this stuff. Like, there's no question this happened. I, so,
2: I, and, I, and I'm right there with you. You know, I, it, my opinion is, you know, let's build a couple new jail cells because we got some people that need to fill them, but, you know, we have to follow the rules. Let's, let's give them a fair chance to to say why they did it, but they, Facebook's biggest fault. And I'm so flustered with this. I get so mad. The, the worst thing they did, they didn't sell this data to anybody. That would be bad what they did was even worse they sold access to this data to anybody that wanted it yes and that's well the data is too valuable to just sell whole cloth <laughs> and and but there is they have a model how they can use that data to make a ton of money without giving anybody access to it in google that's the that's the biggest thing i can't help but think about is the extremes between I I lump Google, Microsoft, and Apple together on one end. Google collects a lot more data than Microsoft or Apple does, but they all collect data. They all treat it very well. They all take very good care of it. They have had minor kerfluffles on privacy, but they haven't been malicious. It's been because somebody screwed up or there was a bug somewhere, and they've been fixed. And then at the very other end of the scale is Facebook, who deliberately sold access to this very important data about you, your friends, and your family, and it's horrible. And they need to go. They need to be so gone. I think,
1: so the big thing is that uh, it really, it really sucks to have to say it, but you know what happened happened. You put a lot of your information in Facebook, and you can tell them to delete it. But let, let's see what you know how that works out. But what you can do is so there are two parts of this. There's lots of revoking access to things on Facebook. Go to what is it? Facebook.com slash settings or whatever, and go in there and just prune, just revoke and, access. And so you it, stop giving.
2: Yes. Do it every week because anytime oh, right. they update their backend, they re-enable all these permissions. So you can stop giving them information going forward.
1: No, I, I, and
0: I'm going to push back on that there. Mm-hmm.
1: They don't, they don't,
0: re uh they don't turn on those permissions again. What they they can't oh, re-authenticate no, no, no. Are, apps. Are, are, like if right. you authorize an app, so if you log into, you know, OpenTable using Facebook, you're giving OpenTable the like very limited access, at least in the current version of the API, and it'll be even harder going forward. It'll give them access to things like your name, your your place of birth. If you give them, if you want them to, if you want them to be able to say connect to your other friends on OpenTable, it will then use your Facebook contact list to do that. But the the very basic version of that API only gives access to your name and uh, I think your your like location, and that's it. So back in before twenty fourteen, when they changed this API, you got those companies got access to a hell of a lot more
1: like right so so that's just that's just one part of it for me so let me finish that that statement really quickly you can go in there and you can hack and slash and revoke all you want but if you're still someone that has the facebook app installed on your phone and you grant it all the permissions or you're using facebook messenger and also whatsapp and you grant it all the permissions you just opened up a a way Mm -hmm. more valuable and way bigger pipe of information that if you don't want Facebook to have that, you do not need to have the Facebook app installed and you do not need to give it all of those permissions to look at your contacts and look at your messages and push photos and videos through it and all that kind of stuff. You can just choose to not put that on there. So I think that it would be a little disingenuous of you, uh, just general Facebook user you, to go in there and Cut back on all these permissions and things on the web, and revoke and take out all these API calls, and then just leave the Facebook app installed on in your phone. That's giving them way more important information about you. And if you can't delete the Facebook app from your phone because it was pre-installed and is a system
0: app, you still have the ability to disable it. Yes, and that will do basically the same thing.
2: And and you know, I'm I know for myself and I'm going to speak for, you know, Daniel and Andrew here. We're not saying, Hey, we want to be cool. Delete Facebook. We, we were, you know, we're not trying to to be that guy. Facebook is a valuable tool for a lot of people. I get it. That's what makes this so bad. A, A lot of people depend on Facebook to communicate with their family and their friends. And if Facebook, you know, if they deleted it, they wouldn't have a way to talk to these people. And that's a bad situation. And I fully understand when you say, I can't delete Facebook. I, I get that because I have family members that are that way. Uh, you know, my, my daughter depends on Facebook to communicate with the friend she went to school with. And she knows because she's got me for a father. She knows what's going on and has known for a while, but she can't just up and delete the app. There, there has to be a, something done and I'm going to go along with Derek, who said that he hates government regulation, because anybody that knows me knows that I hate any rules or any laws that don't need to be there. But maybe this is a case where something needs to be done.
0: Well, I always knew you were a libertarian, but now this just confirmed it.
2: Well, kind of. I, But I, I want to step back when I said that they'll re-enable stuff. You guys are correct. They won't re-enable access that you've revoked but they do re-enable the the default privacy settings is everything turned on and you even worse you don't get to see all of those on the phone app Hmm. you need to go to the website every few weeks and go through their privacy checkup and and see what you are sharing and what you're not sharing at a bare minimum you need to do that right
0: yeah and and the other thing too is you know if I think it just comes down to you being aware of the data that you're sharing. It's not a and not everybody's gonna jump to the point where you're gonna delete your Facebook account or even stop you know sharing things on the social network. It's important to some people it's it as as you said it's a lifeblood for many people um I think it just comes down to being cognizant of. The relationship that you have with these social networks, right? You're not paying them, so as a result, they earn money from advertisers who benefit from the data that Facebook gives them to make to to target you better. And if you're okay with that, if you're okay with that compromise, carry on. You know,
2: carry on using Facebook absolutely. And and you know, I'm okay with that part of it because they're very upfront about that. Well, I mean, not,
0: not until very recently, but yeah. Well, yeah,
2: they, you know, they, they can make, sell, sell more ads if they can promise advertisers that people who are interested in the products are the ones who are going to see the ads. That's Google's entire business model. mm -hmm. That's okay. As long as they protect that data, they protect it. Like it's worth the billions of dollars that it's worth.
0: Well, I think that's it for today. I think we're gonna put a sock, put a, put a <laughs> wine stop in it. We're I'm done. I'm gonna have
2: to drink a bottle of wine to calm down. <laughs> I know, me
0: too. That's all I can think about. Friday night, y'all. Thank you so much, guys. This was really fun. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Jerry, Andrew, hope you have a great weekend. Any big plans?
1: No, no big plans. But it's the weekend, so we'll we'll make do.
2: I'm gonna sit here in my underwear and play The Witcher Three all weekend sounds awesome that's actually
0: (laughs) a great idea i think i'm gonna start uh getting back into mario odyssey because i have there you go Mm. yeah that's my that's my friday all right everybody thank you so much for listening we will be back next week with a brand new episode lots to cover can't say what it is but it's going to be good talk to you then have a great week
1: bye bye